Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Hey, what's going on, everybody here? Ed Delgado from the Caramel Conservative Podcast. Yes, we are back once again. It is a Tuesday night, and man, things can't... Well, I'm not even going to say that, because the moment you say that something can't get any weirder, it sure as hell does. It's almost like 2020 says that, went out there and said, hold my beer. It's just gotten ridiculous. Um, But yeah, we're going to be breaking down a lot of stuff tonight. I'm looking over my bag of stuff to go over, and it's ridiculous. It's everything from AOC, the CDC, LMNOP, Dr. Fossey, Bill Gates. Um, We got gloves and masks. We got people running around here looking like this goddamn Mortal Kombat. It's ridiculous. We're going to be talking about the state of affairs in what I'm calling, as of right now, the police state of America. We're going to break all this down and then some... Tonight, yeah, and I'm definitely, we got the live chat room over here. We got Brother Mike, we got Brother John from OBFSU up here in the house already. The live call-in number is up and running. That's 920-376-9400. So, let's get this started right now. Yes, sir, indeed. It's another Tuesday night here. It is April 7th. We are running on CPT. For those of you that are a little on the left, a little on the sensitive side, don't get it twisted, CPT. That's for yours and yours truly right here. That's Carmel People time. I say 8 o'clock, but I'm fashionably late. But that's a whole nother story for another day. But, man, where do you start? Seriously. We, we've gotten to the point where things have just gotten ridiculous. But um, I want to first start off here. I'm going to give a big shout out to some folks here real quick um, to a lot of listeners out there. I was kind of taking a look at some of my analytics. And I got to tell you, man, we got people, obviously, 96% of my listenership comes right out of here in the United States of America. So I want to thank all the people here in Wisconsin, in Texas, in Iowa, New Jersey, Florida. A lot of folks there. But we also got a lot of folks overseas, too. We got people in the Philippines, you know, so salama po to you guys. We got uh, our folks up there in Canada. Canadians are are laying it down there. We got the United Kingdom. They're laying it down. Got folks out there in Australia. So I want to thank all of you guys here for at least giving us the opportunity to, to, you know, hear what we got to say. And I welcome any of you guys. If you guys are listening, you know, make sure you guys are sharing this out there. But also feel free to be part of the chat room here. Because I got to tell you, a lot of what we do here, the chat room is such an essential part of this podcast. And what I love about it is that it is indeed interactive. I mean, you got people that will greet you and when you come on in, you throw out your ideas. We'll talk about them right here on the air. And of course, we got the live call-in number, which is up and running, which I'm so grateful for. So like I said, that's 920-376-9400. So the first thing I want to start here with is this whole face masks 
vinyl gloves, rubber gloves, whatever type of gloves you're going to be wearing. And I hope to God nobody's running around with a lubricated condom on their hands. But, you know, you can't make this up. Somebody will do it at some point. It it, kind of goes in line with, okay, so last week my son sent me, my oldest boy, he sent me a meme from Reddit. And the meme had, uh, it was joking about somebody naming their kid Corona in quarantine. And, of course, instead of with the C and the Q, it was both started with K. So I was like, oh, God, I hope nobody does that. But sure enough, somebody already did it. Somebody did it. There was a couple out there in India, and they named their kids. It was a boy. I think it was a boy and a girl. It doesn't matter. with twins. But they named the kids Corona and COVID. Yes. So these two children now have the names Corona and COVID. Like you could just imagine what the dirt, the nurses and the doctors are thinking. Like, I, I, I don't know if you necessarily want to do that. I, it just does not sound like a good idea. But yet, lo and behold, there it is. So, yeah, get ready for the rise of the ridiculous names here. Quarantine, COVID, uh, Corona. I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there named just Rona. Give it time. It will happen. But since we're talking about medical things here, one of the things I wanted to talk about first here, and I tried to do a podcast about this last night, and for whatever reason, the audio went through, the music went through, but the vocals did not. So I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on. I don't necessarily know, so uh, I'll cover it here tonight. But one of the things that's been bothering me, especially today, and I want to pull this up here. As you can hear here in the background, I got all my papers and all that goodness there. But I don't know about where you guys are at, but here in central Wisconsin, we've got a lot of people running around wearing face masks of all different sorts, wearing bandanas, where, I mean, it, it almost looks like a combination of the Wild West and Mortal Kombat. It, it, is, it is absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's gotten to the point now, I swear to God, if somebody yells at me and throws something and says, get over here, I, I might actually fight them. I, I actually might fight them because I'm watching these people with the mask and the gloves in the grocery stores and in the gas stations and other places like that. And I'm noticing that while kudos to you for at least trying to do something, I can't help but think that you're making it worse because here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lack of, of, of proper knowledge on the use of personal protective equipment. It's like having a gas mask and not having and not knowing how to utilize it properly, but yet thinking that the gas mask is going to save you. If you don't know how to don and clear a gas mask, then that piece of equipment is worthless to you. And I'm seeing people going in stores and they're touching everything. They got their gloves on. They're touching this fruit. They're touching that fruit. They're touching the next item down. They're going through the meat section. They're going through the frozen section. They're going throughout the store. They're touching the cart. They're touching themselves. They're touching their faces because that's one of those things that it's funny because I, unless you make a concerted effort not to touch your face, a lot of people will do it just by habit alone. And I see people doing this all day long. So between that and a lot of people aren't disposing of their gloves properly either. Now, of course, there's been pictures circulating around the Internet with people just disposing of their gloves on the ground and anywhere you go. But here's the thing. I see a lot of these people 
wearing their gloves, going inside the car. Now, if the idea was to protect you from being contaminated by any virus, germs, or whatever, then you now contaminate your car just the same. And the fabric, the steering wheel, the metal, all that other stuff. So, if you're a germaphobe, this is definitely not for you. Because all you're doing is spreading more and more germs. So what's going on here? The CDC actually has a uh, instructional that teaches you how to make your own face mask at home. You can sew one together. You can do it without a sewing machine or a kit. Gives you some pretty useful information, I think. And the general idea is that, you know, it's better than nothing. I would say that's debatable, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just an opinion show, and that's all I'm really doing. However, I happen to know a number of doctors and nurses and individuals in the medical profession. And unless you are disposing of these items properly before you go into your vehicle, you are contaminating that vehicle. More importantly, if you are serious about sanitation, if you are serious about making sure you don't spread any viruses, germs, or whatever else, and I guarantee you almost nobody is doing this other than the hardcore germaphobes, the moment you get home, you strip yourself down to your birthday suit, put your items in a bag, toss them into the laundry, wash them right away, and then sanitize your body before you contaminate the rest of your quarters. But I guarantee you, almost nobody is doing that at this particular point. So while I think it's all fine and well that, you know, if you're going to wear a mask, that's, you know, that's on you, that's your choice. But let's also be honest about this. The mask will not protect you from the virus. May it possibly stop some particles? Possibly. But the reality is, based on everything I've read, it does next to nothing. I mean, it's definitely not as good as the N95 mask or anything like that, or the surgeon's mask. But at the same time, it's a cloth mask. It's not designed for that. It's a bandana. It's not designed for that. But if you're going to be wearing these masks in public, then you have to damn sure make sure that you're not cross-contaminating other areas. Now, if you're wearing the mask in the event that you're coughing or you're sick yourself, hey, I get it. You want to not spread anything when you sneeze or cough. And that, you know, makes sense. But at the same time, the same dilemma still exists. You have to make sure you're changing these things out, especially if you go into a public area where there happens to be a lot of people. Mike mentioned on here, I can't handle being out in public. I really struggle with what I'm seeing. It scares me more than Corona. That's a great point, Mike. Because, and I was having a conversation with some folks earlier today. And one of the things that we were kind of talking about was just the overall, and I'm going to call it stupidity of people in general. And I think this goes back to when everybody was hoarding up the toilet paper and going apocalypse shopping and everything else. It's gotten to the point where it's absolutely ridiculous. It's so incredibly absurd. This, you know, and if you're a sociologist, this has got to be a great time for you 
to study social proof, to study the behavioral patterns of individuals who have never wanted or suffered or struggled with anything in the past of any great significance. Because you are seeing people that are just losing their damn minds. Okay, I'll give you a good example. So, in the county that I live in, we got our first case of an individual who was uh, confirmed to have been infected with the COVID-19 virus. And this happened just the other day. Well, of course, social media blows up about it for folks in the area. People are speculating who it is. Some folks are upset because nobody can tell who it is. Of course, if you were the one that was infected, you, you having your name and your whereabouts would be the last thing you would want out there. Now, our county health department has been excellent in terms of saying, hey, we've had a case. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. And we've notified all the people that have been involved with this that, you know, could possibly be been in contact with this individual. They are self-isolating, you know, and that's all we're going to tell you for now. Because you don't want to divulge this. To be, I mean, there was a it was a situation down in Illinois just uh, over the past couple of days, where this one guy thought his girlfriend had contracted the COVID nineteen virus. So what did he do? He shot and killed her, and then killed himself. So, when people say that they want to get this information, well, the reason you're not told a lot of this information is because most of you people act like a bunch of damn assholes like this guy. And that's one one thing that we don't need going on. We do have enough stupidity going on as it is right now. Yeah, paranoia. Well, and it does seem to be like the order of the day for a lot of folks. So going back to my point about the face mask and the rubber gloves and everything else, here's my thing. To me, it's kind of akin to wearing seatbelts on an airplane. Why? I mean, I get it. If you're traveling, you hit some turbulence, you're at 20,000 feet. Obviously, you don't want to be bouncing off the top of the aircraft there when you were sitting there just a moment ago. Makes sense in that regard. But if your aircraft is going to crash, if you have an emergency landing or something, some catastrophic impact, that seatbelt is not going to do anything for you. It is a false sense of security. And just the same, if you do not know how to properly utilize your PPE, your personal protective equipment, all you have done is create a false sense of security and you've allowed yourself 
to be lulled into this idea that because you're wearing gloves, because you're wearing a face mask, that somehow you're protected. You have this magical barrier about you. But the reality is, is that if you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick. And, you know, depending on what you're going to read, what's out there, some people, and it was interesting, a USA Today article had talked about this, and they were trying to fact check whether or not individuals who made claims about potentially having the coronavirus back in like December, January, February. And while they were saying, well, you know, they can't disprove it, but they're not proving it as a, as a factual claim. So it does lead to, to debate the question, how long has this been here before anybody knew anything about it? I think the president said this at one point, we don't want to have the cure be worse than the problem. And at this particular point, everything we're doing is creating a worse of a cure than there is of the problem itself. Make no mistake about it, and I've said this last week too, Every death, every illness, everybody who's intubated, everybody who was sick, this is tragic, no doubt. However, when we cripple our economy to such a degree that the impact of that is going to be felt on a global scale, what's really going on here? And the whole while, all people are concerned about is their own safety, which I get it to a certain point. But when your concern for your own safety negates any common sense while practicing that safety, and you also don't pay attention to the things around you, then that's a recipe for disaster, at least in my opinion. Uh, let me take a look at something here. Another interesting note here. Again, I'm in central Wisconsin, so our area is a heavy tourist area. And one of the things that I've noticed as of late There are a lot of folks that have been trying to, I guess the best way to put it is to escape the the virus, escape the the trend these these areas are in. Because if you take a look at the map where all these, uh, all the viruses are being, you know, where the majority, the bulk of these things are, all these cases, they're in heavily metropolitan area. Detroit, New York, uh, New Orleans, Milwaukee, there's a lot of cases in there, and unfortunately, a lot of that's because a lot of people tend to live on top of each other. So it, the potential for the spread of germs and viruses is exponentially high compared to being in a rural community. But I have noticed over the past few days that there have been more and more out-of-state license plates in our area. Despite the fact that a lot of folks have these shelter-in-place, stay-in-home orders, if you will. And I I think it's interesting because I understand the human desire and the human need to want to escape to safety. I think that's something inherent in all of us. This is one of those things that all of us, it it just, we, if you're in an area that is in a war-torn area, your first Number one inclination is your own survival. Sometimes that means staying and fighting. Other times that means fleeing. Going back to the very basic parts of the human human psyche of fight or flight. Now with that being said though, a lot of folks think they're going to come up to an area such as where I'm at and that they're going to escape from this completely unscathed. 
we actually have people in this community who actually thought, you know, well, we thought we would be safe from it or it wouldn't come into our area. And I'm over here just shaking my head because at what point did you actually believe this? It's like saying, you know what, the flu is not going to come into our area. Yes, it is. You know, it's just a matter of time. The fact that we went this long without getting um, a confirmed case of the COVID-19 virus doesn't mean, you know, it just means we got lucky. And when you have areas that are, that are people that are coming from areas that are heavily afflicted by this, chances are they're going to be bringing more of that stuff up here as well, too. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be, you know, try to come up here. I, I don't begrudge them of that. One of the reasons I decided that as a family we wanted to get out of the metropolitan areas was for the potential for something like this. In the event of some kind of breakdown within the metropolitan area, I think for me at this point in my life, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that anybody with any common sense would want to be in a metro area anymore. I mean, it is the potential for disaster between natural disasters, man-made disasters, civil unrest. Uh, clearly, we can see pandemic. It, it's it's through the roof. And I understand when you're in a metropolitan area, the the potential for jobs and security and certain other things like that is much higher out there, yes. But that security, much like the face mask, much like the seatbelt on an aircraft, it is a false sense of security. Because as we've seen, it's very easy to rip apart the, the outer layers there and see it for the weak infrastructure that it really is. Now, for those folks that are coming up into these more rural communities, I think it, it's very important that, you know, they maintain their, and I'm going to say the word hygiene for the most part, because whether or not the COVID-19 virus is to the severity of what some are saying or just a flu on steroids. I don't necessarily want to get into that particular debate, but the one thing we do know is that soap and water is your friend. And I'll say that again. Soap and water is your friend. All you have to do is take a look up on YouTube and find out why soap is so you know, why it's so destructive to the COVID-19. Um, they're not necessarily cells. They're, they're, oh goodness, I, remember, I wish I remember what the name of it was, but, but they do break down the fatty parts of it and then eventually deconstruct this thing. So, you know, you want to make sure you maintain that level of cleanliness at all times. And I think it's, it's absolutely ludicrous that we've gotten to the point where they had to issue a pandemic to get, the overall populace to cover their sneeze, sneezing your elbow, coughing your elbow, wash your hands, especially when you leave the bathroom. I mean, I lost track of how many articles I've gone over where they talked about the individuals. I mean, the number of people who would actually leave the bathroom without washing their hands. I mean, I know we've all done it at some point, but I can tell you with, with no uncertainty the only time I've done it is when I had to rush to go do something else almost immediately. And even then, I was very skittish about it because I don't like having my hands all dirty unless I'm actually working. But that's just kind of a kind of a bug phobia, whatever it is with me. 
Anyways, go to the chat room here real quick. Janelle mentioned, I'm a bit in the paranoid and the paranoia and the or the preventative category. Some of this has been trained in universal precautions over the past 20 years. Being a small business dealing with ID, IDPH due to something brought into my child care by a health provider. And there's a careful precaution we take for my kiddo. Well, that's, that's another thing, especially if you're kind of steeped into the medical culture, whether you are a patient or a healthcare worker yourself, you do tend to pick up those habits. You, you tend to be a, a lot more on the preventative category, and I wouldn't necessarily call it the paranoid category. Because the paranoid category would be like, you know, um, who was that? Uh, who was the germaphobe? Uh Oh, not right. Um, Howard Hughes. You know, the type of person's got to lock himself into a white room that's completely sterile and you only let things that have been sterilized and everything else. I think that's what really borders on to the paranoid side of it. The preventative category is, yeah, you know, you maintain that clinical hygiene. You maintain that that standard and you make sure that, you know, as as a small business owner, you do those things because, well, in, in all honesty, out of a sense of liability and just overall cleanliness. You would think it's a pretty simple thing, but uh, apparently not as much as we would like to think so. But all right, guys, let's take our first break here. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about Dr. Fossey. Uh, interesting guy here. Interesting in what he has to say. And um, I don't know what's more important. Safety, security. 10 million jobs. Guess we're going to find out here in a moment. Just like music. Just like music. To relax my mind so I can be free. And absorb the sound that keep me round Doing my thing constantly with no worries Peace to keep merry Just like music To keep me flowing, to keep me going To keep me growing, to keep me to eat from knowing What happens out there is not my concern You wanna die, it's not my turn Just like music To do something to me like jumping a Mercedes on the highway Doing over 80 without music, baby I'll, I'll go crazy Just like music Make me call my homie on the phone Like there's something new out that got me in the zone Just that feeling got me I wish music can adopt me Just like Woman got me in the air singing sweet nothings. Make love come out the mouth, no fronting, like all of a sudden. Just like music. Taking away your worries and cares. Any problems, music will be right there. Together, match, yo, we a perfect pair. Is that true, Marvin? Yo, to get you the bang this body soul snatcher, universal language. It be the light, so open up. This is it. What the f? Just like music. One fly tune to have black and white vibe in one room. No confrontation, poly all night. It's just a sensation. Just like music. 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 music
Welcome back once again to the Caramel Conservative Podcast here. It is uh, 8.40. God, man, I I was late tonight. Man, I tell you, that's what happens when that's what happens when you go CPT. You run about 10 minutes late, but that's all good. All right. One other story, you know, as it relates to the fleeing to safety thing I wanted to kind of talk about. Apparently, there was a couple out in uh, Quebec, Canada. So their idea was that they were going to leave the big city go to some remote place and write out the the storm here. Well, that didn't work out so for so good for them. They went to a place called uh what was it called here? <laughs> Old Crow. It's in the northernmost part of the Yukon. So they went to this town. The town had about 180 people or 280 people. What was interesting about it is when you go to a small town like that, everybody knows everybody. So, of course, that raised the suspicions of folks once they kind of got there. So they spent, they drove over like 5,000 miles to get to this place with the hopes of trying to find work. Now, if you're familiar with small towns or anything like that, you're also very familiar that a lot of your small towns generally tend to... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Not be very prosperous. Like, for example, if they didn't have government grants and other things like that, they wouldn't be able to operate even the most basic of lighting systems on your streets. So... This couple ended up, uh, they, they were literally met when they uh, landed. They were quarantined, and then they were given the boot. I mean, it was like the town just said, exactly, just kind of yeeted them right out of there. But the big reason that they did this was they had, they only have, I, I think they have a nurse practitioner there. They have one doctor that comes by every every couple months. They have very limited resources. So to have more and more people come on in there, especially during a time of crisis like this, creates a, a strain on the system that's already very fragile in what they live in at this moment in time. So they ended up throwing them out. And when they were talking to them, one of the things that they the, the couple said was that they had a dream that they needed to be there. Well, unfortunately for them, and this was, I love this particular line. I thought it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Dreams aren't a passport. And I got to tell you, man, maybe Donald Trump needs to use that, especially the next time some leftist decides, you know, what about the dreamers? Well, you know, dream, dreams aren't passports. That's just the cold reality of what it is. But anyway, let's go to Dr. Fossey here. Doctor, and I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. I've seen this man enough times. But here is the conundrum, the, the ordeal that everybody seems to be struggling with. You know, do we lock everything down? Do we grind the economy to a halt or, or a further halt than what it already is? Or do we shake the dice like we do every other day and 
go to work, live our lives, do the stuff that we've always done. And like I said, the scary thing about the COVID-19 virus is that there is no vaccination and there is no treatment for it. Right now, at this time, the best treatment out there is hydrochloroquine, or as I've been told, it's called Harley Quinn. But the hydrochloroquine phosphate is the big thing that seems to be leading to the most promise here to get people onto the road to recovery. Now, obviously, they're still doing trials, they're still doing tests, and they're just trying to make things happen as best as they can. But according to Dr. Fossey here, and even Bill Gates for that matter, these people are recommending that, you know what, if we happen to lose 10 million jobs, well, that's just what we're going to have to do. We just need to do it. And it really does make me wonder, do the individuals from the medical side, the Dr. Fossey's of the world, I don't think they, they take into account nor do they weigh into, into their equation the economic cost of everything involved here. Now, I know, you know, we say all the time, and, and I, I think we're very consistent about this. The sanctity of life is one of the most important things that we can have in this world. However, and this is not about dollars and cents, it's, it's, it's not life versus money. It is still life and life. Because when you cause this kind of economic devastation, how much, how much uh, uh, suicide do we want to deal with? Do we say this is acceptable in order to defeat the COVID-19 virus? How much domestic violence is going to be acceptable to say, you know what, we'll deal with all this DV versus, you know, to take on the COVID virus? Or how much alcoholism? should we say is acceptable? How much homelessness should we say is acceptable? How much, how many people should lose their homes into foreclosure should we say is acceptable in order to defeat the COVID-19 virus? See, it's like you got two sandwiches in front of you. Both are laced with crap. One of them just has a little bit more doo-doo than the other one. And from the way I see it, you know, the idea of letting the economy just fall to crap, that's the worst option right there. Now, I don't have the answer to what we need to do, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know more than anyone else. But the one thing I will tell you I do know is that the economic devastation, the economic fallout for shutting down the country for 10 weeks or more would be catastrophic. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, the COVID-19 virus and what has happened since then in the lockdown of this country has done more damage to this country than in the previous 250 plus years. I mean, think about that. Think how devastating that is. It has taken us, you know, since 1776, moving on forward to 2020, to get to be the economic political powerhouse that we are in this nation, to have it torn down in less than a month. And the worst part about it is we've done it to ourselves. We have entered into a quasi-police state at this particular time. I talked about that last week a little bit with the idea that, you know, we're giving rise to a police state 
Oh, the hell we're giving rise to it. It is here. Let me go into this article here from Dr. Fossey real quick. This came off the Daily Wire, and he made his comments um, to uh, NBC's Today Show. He stated that this is an inconvenience from an economic and personal standpoint, but we just have to do it. And that's what he said. It's inconvenient from an economic and personal standpoint. How do you tell your kids when they're hungry that, well, you know what, we just got to sacrifice our, our, our well-being for the overall good of everyone else? It's almost like it's a liberal's wet dream here. He goes on to further say that the shutdown is our major weapon against the virus right now. We don't have a vaccine that's deployable. This is the only thing that we have. We can get through it if everybody really leans forward and pushes on that. But it's kind of interesting, too. I saw an article earlier today that talked about, well, that's great that everybody's kind of hunkering down and trying to be, you know, a little safe and doing the little social distance thing. By the way, that phrase, once this is done, I swear to God, if I ever hear that again. But they, the idea of go ahead and locking down like this, all it's done is cripple the economy. How do you again? How do you look your kid in the eye and say, "Well, we just can't afford food right now"? You know, we can go ahead and lean into this. And then there's another school of thought from an article I saw earlier today, and the doctor was saying all we're doing is, is prolonging this virus. Whereas if you just let it run its natural course over time, the population builds a herd immunity, and the virus itself burns itself out. Now, I don't know if viruses necessarily burn themselves out or not. But again, this guy here, the, the other guy I was talking about just a moment ago, uh, he himself is an actual doctor too, dealing with infectious diseases. So obviously one of these two people are correct or it's somewhere in between. So Dr. Fossey um, mentioned here, the labor, excuse me, the article then continues that after 3.3 million people claimed unemployment two weeks ago, which was by far the largest number ever since then. Another 6.6 filed for new unemployment benefits. And that's according to the Daily Wire there. So like I said, I don't think that's necessarily the best thing, the best course of action to do is to shut everything down. Now, I know there are some things where, you know, you don't want to be in confined spots. And that does make sense. But again, at the same time, do we want... Do we want the economy to suffer to such a great extent that what's going to end up happening is that you're going to create more suffering, more poverty, more damage in the long run than what you're going to actually do in solving this? And then you got Bill Gates. Now, depending on who you talk to, Bill Gates could be the savior or he could be the guy who condemns us all to damnation. And this is where we got to kind of put our uh, put our tinfoil hat on here for a moment because some folks actually will think, and I don't know what the truth of this is, but some folks have made the argument that Bill Gates is, he made commentary a couple of years ago about wanting to reduce the overall population of the planet. So, of course, because he may have made a speech about something like that, this, of course, makes him the architect for, you know, world depopulation and everything else, like, you know, to that effect. But 
Some people are actually under the assumption to belief as well that Bill Gates wants to create a vaccine that's going to have nanites or something else in it to control people, to kind of reduce the population, to do all kinds of other things. So I've heard all that. Don't necessarily know if I buy it, but it is what it is, okay? Then you got folks that are saying that Bill Gates is going to be, he's got the idea, he's, he's uh, talked about a pandemic back in 2015, and he's a pretty smart guy. Well, I don't doubt he's not a smart guy, but I'm also pretty sure he's not a doctor either. But yet here he is, you know, trying to give advice as to what to do. So according to this article from Yahoo News, Gates says that we need to shut down at least for 10 weeks to fight the coronavirus, that the window for decision hasn't closed yet. So Gates estimates about 10, uh, 10 more weeks of the national shutdown to minimize the human and economic toil. Uh, he also stated that he believes that they can get a vaccine in less than 18 months, which is the fastest a vaccine has ever been developed. Now, that's something that's been, I think, consistent. That's something I think that's been consistent with a lot of folks in the scientific community. It's this idea that having poured all these resources and all this testing, that the possibility of getting a vaccine distributed on a worldwide platform could well be possible in 12 to 18 months. And again, if you think about all the hurdles, all the, all the things that they have to do in order to do the testing, for, from conception to research and development to testing to animal trials to human trials, observations, controlled studies, everything else like that, usually the coming out of these type of drugs takes years. So I would think we're in agreement there that, you know, 12 to 18 months would be a pretty safe, uh, fair assumption there. But anyway, Bill Clinton, excuse me, Bill Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, whatever. They both have been to Epstein's Island. Yes, I said it. So in an op-ed that he posted there to the Washington Post um, Thursday, Gates criticized the fact that some states have not yet ordered restrictive stay-at-home orders. California was the first to order residents to stay at home in mid-March. Such orders now apply to nine in in ten states. But five states still haven't ordered residents to stay home, and several states have placed... In, uh, have orders in place only for certain regions. And I think it's kind of interesting there. That's really the way that it should have been handled. Because if you take a look at the major population centers that have the, have the, the explosion of cases for the COVID-19 virus, like I said, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Detroit, you know, places like that. If you had confined it to those areas, no one in, no one out, the rest of the state would have been able to continue to work. Would there have been infections? Probably. Would that still have been minimized? I have no doubt in my mind about that. So Gates goes to continue here. Any confusion about this point will only extend the economic uh, pain. Raise the odds that the virus will return and cause more deaths. To curb the spread of the virus, Gates argues the U.S. will need to rapidly speed up testing uh, while prioritizing healthcare workers. Gates praised New York State, which recently ramped up to nearly 20,000 tests a day. Finally, Gates called for a data-based approach to rapidly developing a vaccine. He believes we can have one in less than 18 months, which would be the fastest vaccine developed in our time. 
But he also said the federal government, not private companies, must lead the charge. <sighs> Here's the thing, especially when it comes to the federal government. If they could have developed it, wouldn't they have done it by now? Do they have the tools and resources? I mean, I guess I guess they do have the resources in the sense that they do have this limitless fund. But if you take a look at anything out there, Yes, the federal government may have instituted it, may have started it, case in point, the internet, case in point, space exploration. You take a look at any of these things like that, that the government has started. Take a look what private industry has done to improve it. It was private industry that made, you know, cellular service just top notch. The internet, what it is today. Space travel, I mean, just in, I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm a fanboy of Elon Musk, but take a look at SpaceX and the other privately owned uh, space exploration teams out there. They are doing things at a cheaper and more effective cost than the federal government ever could. But that's because they improved upon the model that was set there by the federal government. And I think that's something that does get lost into this. We we are spending so much time looking for the answer from fed, from the federal government that we somehow are, and I don't know how this came about, but we're supposed to look upon them like they're going to be our savior. And I think we tend to forget the words that, you know what, the, the scariest words that you ever want to hear is, you know, hey, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. That's like the last thing anybody wants to hear. Unless it's AOC then that's the last thing anybody wants to hear. Ah, speaking about AOC, <laughs> God, I love this woman. <laughs> I almost wish, I God, I wish Bob were here for this. Huber's never around when you want him. He's usually watching some, some cheesy WCW uh, uh, superhero thing. But, oh, man, I love AOC. I do. I do. I love, I love Ocho Cinco Cortez. I do. I mean, she's beautiful. She's got cute eyes, nice long flowing hair, and she's dumb as a bag of rocks. I am, and let me. I'm just gonna. Can I just throw it out there? I mean, I I, I gotta wonder about this 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 individual. I really do. Uh, she has absolutely no shame in anything that comes out of her mouth, and. I, I love watching her. I mean, just recently she was on the floor and giving a speech and she, her arms are flailing all over the place. She looked like a wet duck just trying to fly, but couldn't because she had oil all over her rings. It, it was terrible. But again, the things that she says over and over again, and she does it without shame. She doesn't turn red. And yeah, she's, she's light enough as a Puerto Rican where if she were to, to be ashamed of something and turn red, you can see it. But there is none. No, this woman is, 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 is amazing because she has recently said that we need to drop the Medicare age to zero. To zero for Medicare. Okay. And that we need to approach the coronavirus through the lens of reparations. By the way, did you guys know that the, the coronavirus, the Rona... It's racist. I don't know how many of you guys caught the president's press conference today, but he talked about the disparity and how many people have been afflicted 
by the COVID-19 virus in heavily urban communities, especially people of color. One of the doctors went on there and was like, well, we've known about this forever. The higher rates of obesity and heart disease and everything else. I'm going to throw a novel idea at you guys. When it comes to things like obesity, and I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. I know this. I don't pretend I'm not a big boy. I also know that I eat very well, probably too well. So my size isn't due in part to my own choices. So when I see these individuals say things like, well, this is something that's plaguing that community. Do you think maybe it might be their poor diet that they've chosen to eat themselves? Well, they don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Like hell, they don't. I'm sure there's a pick and save or a roundie somewhere in their area. Don't tell me there's not. You go to any major metropolitan area, there is going to be a bus line. Well, people shouldn't be having to, to go to the grocery store on a bus line. Oh, well, what are you going to do, buy them a car too? I mean, hell, you're giving them EBT and everything else. And yes, I know I'm painting that whole, you know, lower economic area with a very broad stroke brush, but the truth is, is that they play these economic games, this class warfare, this idea that people aren't smart enough to know that, you know what, if I have fruits, vegetables, and a salad instead of Funyuns and Doritos, maybe I wouldn't have type 2 diabetes. Maybe if I have one or two Dunkin' Donuts instead of the whole damn baker's dozen, Maybe I wouldn't be 400 pounds. And I'm not 400 pounds, by the way. Where's the common sense? Where's the approach to individual responsibility for your own being? Now, it's true with, and I believe it is the, the black community, there is a genetic predisposition to heart disease and a couple other ailments. However, that's only exacerbated buy people's poor eating habits. And I'm sorry, if you got a smartphone, anybody with a smartphone, this the idea that you can be ignorant of anything these days here in 2020 and have a smartphone, you have no excuse to be ignorant on any topic at all. If you want to become well-versed in health and dietary uh, uh, needs to control your diabetes, to work out regimens and things like that, you have no excuse if you have a smartphone because all the information is right there. You don't have to, you know, look up ESPN. You don't have to be playing Angry Birds, Fortnite on mobile. Why don't you pick up that device that you're constantly wasting time on, get off the scroll hole of Facebook and social media, and actually look up the information that's going to serve you a little better. But not all of the things in life service as well as they should. AOC is one of them. That's right. AOC, representative out of New York. By the way, is Candace Owens going to be trying to run against her? <laughs> well, anyway, this past Friday, she cited the coronavirus crisis in renewing calls for sweeping political changes, demanding the Medicare eligibility age be reduced to zero, while saying that coronavirus relief should be viewed through the lens of reparations. COVID deaths are disproportionately spiking in black and brown communities. Why? Because all the chronic toll of redlining, environmental racism, wealth gap, etc. 
are underlying health conditions. Oh, God, Alexandria, I love you. I love you so. I just wish you wouldn't type or speak or say anything in public. I wish you would just make me a Manhattan and call it a day. A whiskey sour. Switch it up. Just make it alcoholic. Oh, my God. She then goes on to say that any uh, inequity is a comorbidity. COVID relief should be drafted with the lens of reparations. Oh, such poetic and prophetic words from this woman. Let's break this down. Why? Because the chronic toll of redlining, environmental racism. What exactly is environmental racism? I'd like to know that. I think this is a serious question. What the hell is environmental racism? Okay, because one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm not somebody who, I live in a rural community right now. I have a population of around 2,200 people that live in my town. The nearest town over is like 10 to 15 miles away. I live where I live because I like the quiet. You know, during the day, I can go ahead and do my J-O-B at night when I'm at home. I can enjoy the peace and tranquility that is my home. And then, of course, I can be with you guys. But I made the choices to go to places I've been. And like I said, it's not just always been this rural community. I have lived as a military brat, so I've moved all over the place. I am a Marine Corps veteran. I have moved all over the place. My ex-wife is a Navy veteran. Once again, we have moved over the place, all over the place, including overseas. So I speak to you with a sense of authority when I tell you that when you go to a lot of these metropolitan areas, a lot of the so-called environmental racism is self-imposed. I'll give you the best breakdown I can give you, and that being Milwaukee. Milwaukee has always been all about ethnic enclaves. As it is currently, if you go to the north side of Milwaukee, it's a predominantly black neighborhood. If you go on the south side of Milwaukee, that is a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. When you go to the outliers of Milwaukee, it is predominantly Caucasian, some Hispanic, some black. And then your suburbs generally tend to be white with sprinkles of different ethnicities here and there. But if you look back historically, the north side used to be all predominantly Italian. It used to be predominantly uh, Jewish at one point. Each one of these ethnic enclaves moved on at some point. South side is no different. It used to be predominantly German. It used to be predominantly Polish. And then it became predominantly Hispanic. People tend to gravitate to people that look and think and speak like them. Especially when they are first and second generation immigrants. So to say that, you know, this is environmental racism is, is doublespeak at best. It's a complete line of BS, probably at its core. Let me jump right over here. <laughs> oh, good friend of ours here, Alex Garrett, from Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett. He mentioned on here, you know, throw those DMs at me too. He's like, damn, you caught me. I'm scrolling as I listen. See, everybody's got, we all get caught in the scroll hole. So anyway, 
She didn't specify what, what she meant in terms of a response, but she made it clear that she sees the impact of the virus on minority communities as a symptom of systemic racism in various forms, a problem she has repeatedly sought to bring attention to since coming to Congress in 2019. Last year, she called for the Democrat Party to examine and pursue an agenda for reparations to, for black Americans for slavery. Again, what, what is this? So I heard somebody made the argument at one point that, well, it's in our DNA. We still feel the effects of slavery. Now, maybe I'm just cold, and that is very possible. I, I am often accused of being an a-hole many, many times. But I know my father had a rough life. I know his father before him, my grandfather, had an even rougher life. I know without any uncertainty, my great-grandfather had an extremely rough life. And the ones before that, they probably had it harder than him. Now, while I do have love for my ancestors, for my my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, the one thing I can tell you without any uncertainty is that it sucked for them that they had it like that. I, whatever happened to them didn't happen to me. As a Hispanic man here in America, any of the, I would tell you probably about 85 to 95% of any of the bad things that have ever happened to me in my life is because of choices I have made. The other 15% would be things that are beyond my control. But none of it came from my DNA in the sense that what happened to my great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother somehow had an adverse effect on me. So this idea of happening to hold on to a grudge from generations past when it had nothing to do with you whatsoever, it's mind-blowing and it defies any logic or common sense. So meanwhile, she uses the crisis to essentially renew calls for Medicare for All, another left-wing item that she and fellow members of the squad had made as a cornerstone of their platform. It is also a part of the platform of AOC-backed Bernie Sanders' candidate. So, let's see here. Well, yeah, and then she goes on with her more tweets about Medicare for All and all this other garbage, but... Excuse me. But again, when you take a look, like I said, a lot of ethnic groups like to tend to self-segregate because I think, you know, this is part of the human nature... We tend to want to be around people that look like us, that think like us, that have the same beliefs as us. I mean, in my area, there's probably, I think, 3 4% Hispanics in this area. And I, I'm one of them. So obviously, I don't look like a lot of the other folks in the area, but a lot of our beliefs are the same. So there's no big... Nobody really looks at me funny because I'm a little darker than everybody else. And I think it's interesting because if you want to look at, if you want to look for racism, if you want to look for a problem, if you want to look for trouble, you're going to find it. You do not have to look very hard. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to go looking for trouble. Most of the time, I mean, hell, you can go crawl under, I think it was Les Brown, he said this, he's like, you can go crawl under a table and trouble will come looking for you. It's like, hey, where you at? Come on up here. We got to talk. So, 
if you want to go looking for something like that, you're, you're definitely going to find it. If you don't find it, you'll definitely make it up. And, and I think that's probably the scariest part about this, that there are so many people that actually think that something like this is warranted. Now I will give, I will give AOC this much. I will give, since it, you know, the left like to bring up the race card time and time again, they, they'll tell you, you know, AOC as a Hispanic, bringing it up, I can give a little more credence to that. But as I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier today, I told him, to me, the most dangerous person to the Hispanic community is the white liberal. They, you know, if the AOCs of the world can bring up race, then shit, well, well, I can too. Because it is the white liberal that tries to speak for the Hispanic that does not need someone to speak up for himself. I don't need you to speak for me. I, you know, as a matter of fact, most of the people of color that I know do not need anyone, black, white, green, yellow, polka dot, plaid, or Asian, to speak on their behalf. But then again, I also associate with people that try to step up and become that next level person. Maybe that's one of AOC's problems. Maybe that's why she's, you know, or it could be just that she's a poverty pimp, which... Well, we've talked about that at length before as well, too. You ever notice the Democrats tend to, that's kind of tends to be their MO, poverty pimp? Because when you really think about it, the people that are espousing all these ideas of reparations and uh, racial inequality, climate change, they're the ones that are getting rich off the backs of everybody else. But they're sure as hell not spread, you know, spreading the wealth to the people they claim to be representing. Never quite understood that. Never quite understood that. All right. Uh, let's take our take a break here. When we come back, I this is a topic I really want to talk about. And I, I touched on it earlier. I said that we're living in a police state. I do not back down from that statement. And we're going to talk about this here. Back. me down you got it tough i seen the toughest around and i know baby just how you feel you got to roll with the punches and get to what's real i can't you see me standing here i got my back against the record machine Jump, jump. 
Welcome back to the Caramel Conservative Podcast. It is, well, man, it's getting late. That's all right. It's uh, 9.20 p.m. Central Standard Time here in the great state of Wisconsin. It is election day. We didn't let Tony Evers tell us that we were going to postpone the election as he tried to do his unconstitutional moves. Yes, our state Supreme Court got involved. The United States Supreme Court got involved. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be hopefully having a conservative justice added to our Supreme Court. And Daniel Kelly will find out here as election night tallies come in. But I got to tell you guys, mm -mm -mm -mm. when it comes to getting that news, when it comes to getting that entertainment, when it comes to getting great content, I'll tell you, man, you guys have so many choices that are out there. There's a ton of them. There's a ton. And what I mean by that, you can choose YouTube, Hulu, Disney Plus, Netflix. They got all that good stuff. But there's podcasting out here. There's a ton of podcasts, roughly about 800,000 of them, the last I checked. And I want to recommend a couple really good ones here that I truly appreciate. And I think you guys are really going to like. So check it out. And here it goes. Coming up first on deck, I want you to check this guy out because I got to tell you, man, this, this guy's incredible. The stuff he puts out, the fire he's got in his belly, the stuff that he unleashes, the knowledge he has. And that is our brother John from OBFSU. That's the belly's blast and light will shine. You guys got to make sure you check him out. He's been on the war path as of late, holding no prisoners, taking you know, just giving out punches. I mean, he's like Ali. He'll take a hit and keep coming back for more. Like I said, when it comes to bringing out that good political content, it is hard. It is concise. It is to the point. And he doesn't mix his words. He gets right to it. And that's why I call him the political failings of the podcasting world. So you guys got to make sure you check him out. Then every morning, I want you to check out Mike Myers in the Mike Myers show. And is it still Radio Hope? something i can never get that right mike changes it up on me so many times but i tell you man you got to check out mike's show every morning 8 a.m because it's a phenomenal show it's a show about faith family humility a personal relationship with our lord and savior jesus christ it is a show that i'm making a point to try to listen to as often as i can when i can because mike is a really good guy he's got a lot of great guests that he has come on there so you're going to want to make sure you check him out then in about a week's time Bob the Handyman Huber. He's going to be coming back with 15 minutes of broadcasting glory. He's taking that time off. That's what he gave up for Lent. And he's going to be pumping out some episodes here. Bob, you got a lot of material to work with. So step up that game. Just start cranking them episodes out. So you guys are going to want you to make sure you check out the Huber experience when he gets himself on back. Then I want you to check this man out. He's right in the heart of New York City. This man, by day, is a, is a uh, radio, radio producer, but by night, 
He is one of the greatest podcasters out there. I love this guy like a brother. I've gotten to know him really well over the last several months. His name is Alex Garrett. You want to check him out and listen to Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett. Alex has a lot of great content, everything from sports. Um, he's huge into baseball. Uh, he's a, he has a lot of great guests. He's had individuals from the CDC on there. Uh, he's had other people uh, from entertainment, directors. And he, I tell you, he gave some really, really good interviews out there. So make sure you check out Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett. Then I want you to make sure you check this gentleman out out of Iowa just as well. That's Brother Gary Russell from GJRB Online. Had the opportunity to listen in on his show last Saturday night in the Saturday Extra. And I tell you, man, Gary puts a lot of time and effort into what he does. It is a phenomenal show. Here is a man that has a love for broadcasting, a love for radio. And you guys got to want to make sure you check it out and become a part of that show. Gary's got that programming that you guys want to hear on a Saturday afternoon. So make sure you check them out, and that's GJRB online. Now, you can find all these shows if you take a look on Spreaker.com. You can find them on YouTube. You can take a look on the search engines, Google, Yahoo, Bing, all that other good stuff. But one of the things I'm going to be working on here as I revise our website, and that's plusultramedia.com, I'm going to be putting back up the friends of the show, going to be throwing some criteria out there for what I'm going to be putting there. And I tell you what, man, you guys keep putting out that good content. I will throw that back up there. I will have all those little social media links, and you guys will have the opportunity to check them out, experience them, like them, share them, subscribe to them. And you know what? As with every episode smash that like button I gotta tell you I love this mixer I do I do it's beautiful I had a chance to listen to the first episode that I did with it and it was like it was night and day yeah it was just it was crazy loved it though love it ah uh, yeah yeah I know smoking in studio whatever I got a filter nearby so I'm good filtration Anyway, so Bob, how you feeling, man? You ready to get back on the airwaves? You can only imagine, man. It's been, what, how long? Several weeks? Something like that? All right, guys. So, let's think about this here. Ever since that we become, I guess the phrase I'll use, ever since we were grounded, that's what it feels like. I kind of feel like that 15-year-old that stepped out of line and now we're grounded. But ever since we became grounded, ever since we've been told to stay at home, is it just me? Or do you feel like we're moving closer and closer on a daily basis to a police state? Have we gotten to the point now where government actually thinks that we work for it and it doesn't work for us, the people? Are we America in name only? That's what I want to know. Because that's what I'm seeing. I'm taking a look at my notes right now. Brother Gary, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Good to see you up in here. Let's take a look at this here. Out in California, there was a paddle boater out there. Paddle boarder. He was out there on waves. He was enjoying some waves, doing his thing. Police arrested him for being outside when he was supposed to be sheltered in home. There was nobody around him. 
He was in a saltwater body. And he was arrested. Hmm. Let's see. Over here in Oshkosh, there was a church. And they decided to become creative to spread the word of the Lord. Now, by all, by all measures, you would think that this is a beautiful thing. Brother Alex Gary checking in here tonight. Beautiful. Guys, give Alex a warm welcome. This guy's phenomenal. Trust me. You guys know I don't, I don't give that nod to just anybody. So when we think of essential services, one of the things that comes to mind to me is churches. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind, I am not the biggest buyer into of churches in general. Now, that being said, that being said, if you want to go to church and you're digging it, cool. Do your thing. Because some people feel it's an essential part of, of their core, of their being, of who they are. So I think that's a good thing. Now, so with all these, you know, six foot, stay away, social distance, stay in place, whatever else, this church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, decided to have service where the guy was going to be outside of his vehicle, but everyone's going to be in their vehicle, basically quarantined into their own cars. And the police came and broke it up. Yep. But wait, it gets better. So if you happen to get diagnosed with the COVID-19 virus and you violate your stay-at-home order, your, your, your quarantine the police, uh, the police and a judge have recently ruled that they can monitor your whereabouts with an ankle bracelet now and put you on house arrest. Now, this raises a question. What would happen if they did that to individuals with HIV? What would happen if they did that to people with the cold? What would happen if they did that with anybody for any other ailment? Diabetes, hepatitis A, B, or C. Just saying. Hmm. Seems like a police state to me. Oh, here's another good one. Did you know that the CDC is now telling hospitals to list the cause of death as a COVID death, even if you're just assuming, or it only contributed to an individual's death? So all these numbers that we're seeing of, you know, rising deaths of COVID-19 victims. They may not necessarily be COVID-19 victims. So in truth, you could walk across the street right now, get hit by a truck, trip over a squirrel, get hit by a bus, and they might rack that up as a COVID-19. Wow. The government's telling you how to classify your death. That's crazy. But wait, it's going to get better here in just a second because I want you guys to hear this. Uh, I'm going I'm to mute myself here for a moment. I know that that's kind of a tall order here. I want you to listen to this little clip here, 25 seconds. Here we go. Most of the transmission that's actually happening in many countries now is happening in the household at family level. In some senses, transmission has been taken off the streets and pushed back into family units. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them in a, in a safe and dignified manner. Wow. 
So remove those people from the household. What are you going to do by force? From, mm, that sounds like a police state to me. And that was a, that was a World Health Organization official stating that they may have to start removing people from households in a respectful and dignified manner. Mm. So what, are you going to remove me after a gunfight? Because that's the only way that you're removing me. What, are you going to take my kid from me? Well, I'm not big into threats. I, I just, I'm not. I don't threaten anybody. But I will tell you what will happen. It will not end well for you. Anybody trying to take my kid from me, whether he's sick or not, it does not end for them very well. You know, as a parent, I have the ultimate authority as to what happens to my children. Now, I will work in what's in their best interest, but for some governmental body, whether it's the World Health Organization, uh, which has no authority here in the United States, or the CDC, or anyone else, because you believe they have an illness, you don't get to make that call. And I would believe there's a great number of people that, that would feel the same way and that would put up the same type of fight. Again, this is us moving to a police state. Now let me go to the chat room here because we got, we got some comments here. So let's go back up here. Bob mentioned, you know, I'm feeling good. I've been watching documentaries called McMillan. It's about McDonald's screwed over people. In, many, in the Minneapolis game, and it never printed out the important pieces. Have not seen that one yet. Have not, but we're going to check that out here. Now, Brother Galax there, he mentioned, he goes, thanks for, uh, thanks for the shout-out, friend. You are speaking the truth so much, though. So. Yeah, I, I try to do my best. Huber said the truth is dead. We're in America, and there is no doubt about it, but sometimes I think it's Chernobyl. Uh, it's not Chernobyl yet, but we do got to wonder about that. Brother Mike mentioned here, that is what it feels like, Ed. Roll swapping. Indeed, it does. And then uh, let's see here. Uh, Gary mentioned a couple things here. Eric Check from uh, KFGQ. Gary also mentioned here, I hope they find me dead, especially if my wife dies first. It would be blood on their hands. Ah, uh, See, and that's, like I said, this is where the human toll comes in. Huber mentioned it that um, I get you it's wrong, but I'm sure the mind of thinking is that, or that the, uh, their line of thinking is that it's scary. That's a scary time. This is not in case that we hear about every few weeks with people getting sick, but it's a case that we are hearing about every day. So maybe they should be monitored for their own protection. Is there a line of thinking because if you can control one, you can save the life of others. Here's the issue I have, Bob. And I'm going to see if I understand what you wrote here correctly. Again, you got to give, uh, you got to give Bob a little break here on what he puts down here because a lot of the things that he types in here, it's not necessarily typing it's through dragon speech. But Bob is saying, you know, basically if it, you know, if you got to control one person to control, to save many more lives, is that really a bad trade-off? And, I would refer you to the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, and the Federalist Papers. I mean, hell, we're all on lockdown. You might as well make some time and get, get, some, get some knowledge out of that. Because one of the, the biggest tenets of the American experiment, of being an American, is 
individual freedom. Uh-oh. We're blowing up here tonight. We're blowing up. Let me call her before I get to you here. Let me just finish this thought real quick. But one of the biggest tenets here to the American experiment is this idea that we have individual freedom here in this country. That is the individual that is paramount. And it is the, the collection of individuals that makes the body politic. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Oh, well, I'll be damned. I got Bob on the phone right now. You're damn right you do. Because <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't aware that my dragon speech messes up that bad until after I write it because I talk so fast that it just says whatever it wants to. And then I can't see half the time because my wiggly blind eye just, you know, no, right, right. You, you, you can't see shit to begin with. No, no. But you know what? In, in truth, though, in truth, um, the, your dragon speech isn't that bad. It's just that sometimes it does the autocorrect thing, and it does come across. It's like, what the hell is he trying to say? But if you understand that you're using, you know, speech to text, then you can kind of piece it together a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I just called to tell you what I was trying to say, because I, I think I brought up kind of a good point, and then it was like, eh, you know. So what I wanted to say was, you know, take, remove the one with the uh, sickness, and then maybe that can save other people. I mean, yes, it's wrong, you know, putting an ankle bracelet on the dude that should be quarantined at home, but I mean... You know, what if he's sick? And now they say, hey, man, uh, people are catching coronavirus through the heat of their mouth. So if somebody's talking to you and they're, you know, have some hot-ass breath and it gets on you, and they don't know they have coronavirus, well, guess what? what? Now you have it, man. So uh, maybe people should stay at home. I mean, we are in America. This is the greatest country of them all. But I, I kind of understand the reasoning of what they are doing. Well, and, you know, like, I, I, I don't agree with moving, removing people from their home, like what you mentioned a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. But, but I, I do agree with that cop wanting to isolate that guy with a monitor of some kind if he, he wants to be out in public. Well, well, at that point, let's just start throwing back the uh, yellow star of David on all the Jews in the area. <laughs> like, honestly, there are so many people that are buying into the BS that is going on right now. And and I tell you what, I, I, I am questioning law enforcement. I am calling out law enforcement right now because I am when they're going out there and ticketing and arresting people for supposedly violating the so-called stay-at-home order. Now, I don't know when the hell government got the ability to order you to do anything, but this idea idea that we can ticket you for not, or just for simply leaving your home is complete and utter garbage. And these cops that do this are violating their oaths of office. And to me, it's no different than a bunch of brown shirts. Do you know what the greatest and most horrific excuse is in the history of the world? It is committing atrocities, and then when they say, well, I was just following orders. 
Well, I mean, that is, that is kind of like a uh, a Nazi party thing when they follow the orders. Yes, it is. Like, hey, man, I, I was kind of just following orders. Because that's what the old time, not that there's many of them around anymore, but when they were getting tried years right. after the fact, they would say, hey, man, I was just following orders. So, I mean, is it to the level of the Nazi party? No, Absolutely it's not. Absolutely not. But, but what I'm saying is maybe if this can pass, who knows what can pass in the future. And I think maybe that's where you're getting at. That's my point. Because if you, save, well, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't curb this, if you don't stop this abuse of power, from law enforcement, from from the governor's office to your cities and stuff like that, if you do not curb this abuse of power, then all you're doing is enabling. And the next time that some little crisis comes along, they're going to tell you, you know, lockdown protocol, and if you don't do it, we're going to shoot you on sight. I mean, what was it? The Philippines have a uh, their president right there. I mean, people think Donald Trump is is out of control. This guy, he's telling you, you know, hey, let's go shoot, uh, you know, shoot all the drug dealers. Now, of course, a lot of people applauded that. Now he's saying that if you don't stay in your quarantine, we will shoot you dead. And guess what happened just yesterday? They shot a guy dead. And, and it sucks because I, I could have saw that happening. But not in the Philippines. I can see things like that happening in, like, uh, China Considering they can't even watch sure. Winnie the Pooh because it it reminds people that's what the supreme <laughs> the, the king or the supreme leader looks like, so they, they can't watch uh, the tales of Christopher Robin. But whatever. <laughs> but see, that's the thing that's kind of bothersome is you know people say that can never happen here, but if you go back to the nineties, you go back to the early decade, the first decade of the two thousands. Venezuela was a paradise. And then all of a sudden, Hugo Chavez comes along. And guess what they share in common with us? They had a massive run on toilet paper. And I remember this very well because I was joking the hell out of it. I'm like, who the hell runs out of toilet paper? I mean, it's toilet paper. And then all of a sudden, they started firing on their own citizens. Then all of a sudden, I mean, the average person has lost something like 30 to 40 pounds because of the lack of food production and everything else out there. Their economy is in oh, shambles. Okay, Ed, but okay, I see your point there, but I'll read you this question. If anything were to happen like that here, with all these people that are loving the Second Amendment about right to bear arms, do you think on God's green earth that somebody would stand for that shit? I, I don't think so. If somebody pulls out a weapon, you better believe some good old boy from Texas or, or Oklahoma will pull out a, uh, something else and say, all right, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do it the right way. What good does you, that you know do? What, you, I mean? what, I, what good does that do you in Illinois? Well, well, I mean, it doesn't do anybody any good anywhere, but I mean, because all that's going to do is lead you, to mass civil unrest. We have, okay. You, you mentioned good old boys and, and I'll break it down according to like malicious. And there are state militias all over the place. There's, there's various different militias all over the place. All of them think they're better than the other. All of them have a, ta- a kind of hierarchy within their, their system. All of them generally tend to have a very similar belief system. But to coordinate that many people, I mean, it would be messy. It would be violent. And 
there would be no America after that. I mean, it, it, that's, a, that's a scenario where everybody loses. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah you're right. Yeah, and uh, the last four or five days here, I mean, Wisconsin's not that far away, so you probably get the same messages on your TV. Our, our governor says, hey, man, we encourage people to stay home. He said even yesterday in a press conference, mm-hmm. he said he, he wants people to go shopping for the next 14 days. They're not like shopping 14 days in a row, but right. stock up for 14 days of uh, supplies. And then after the 14 days are up, then maybe go reevaluate some certain stuff about the stay-at-home thing. But right now, once again, it's still not looking like we're going anywhere. Well, here's the problem with that. Most people don't know how to properly stock up for 14 days. Most people don't have the financial means to stock up for 14 days. And then worse yet, most people don't have the physical capacity to stock up for 14 days. Because if you think about the average person, what do you have for a freezer? Just the one in the kitchen. Most people don't have a a five, six-foot freezer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, we we have two, but I have the white privilege going on. So you know, oh, the white privilege. Whatever. That's gonna that. Yeah, <laughs> why don't you put those groceries on credit? I'm white. It's like a, it's like a Dave Chappelle uh, <laughs> skit where he he becomes a white man, but he's still a black dude, and the oh, yeah. just open up, right? And he's like, oh, this is what it's like. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Oh, good old. Those were the days to watch Chappelle's show. Uh, yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad that I bring in the pop culture into the politics, but hey, man, I got to lighten it up somehow. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, we, uh, we definitely want that in there. But here's the thing, though. When you take a look at all of the, when you take a look at the civil liberties that we've ended up essentially, I'm going to call it putting on hold for now. But you look at the PC culture that we're in today. Chappelle's show could not exist today. That's a show that came out oh, around know. 2006, 2007. You know, fast forward 13, 14 years. We're in a PC world that can't handle it. We're in a world yeah, where yeah. people are buying all the wrong things in a pandemic because they don't know how to sacrifice. They don't know how to make do. They don't know how to properly plan for things. This is a time that's literally going to weed out the wheat from the chafe. It's going to tell you the people that you shouldn't pay attention to anymore. And it's going to tell you the people that you should be paying better attention to. And and see, it's funny that you even mention that because I look at my Facebook page several times and you see me. uh, And and I, I, I realize that a lot of people I know are pussy. They're like, oh, well, what do I do? I'm, I don't like to sit at home. I can't do it. And then when they talk about, you know, being prepared, I'm like, that's not how you prepare stuff. And it makes me look at them different. Because for me, man, the, the sad truth about it is for me, my life didn't change. I'm pretty much a homebody. You right. know, they couldn't, they couldn't survive five minutes in my world only because my life, man, sitting at home, putting on my podcast, writing a little bit, and, and doing my thing. 
Right. And, and they're, they're freaking out like it's the end of the world. So it's making me look at a lot of people different. Well, for a lot of people, I think it's a huge disruption in the normal that they know. And I can understand that to a certain degree. But what I don't understand are the people that are taking advantage of the situations that's going on right now, whether you're hoarding things up to resell at, you know, inflated prices, or if you're that individual. And there are plenty of individuals that are sitting at home because they don't want to go to work, but they're still going to get paid anyway. See, to me, those are cowards. You know, I mean, like I said, nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants this mess. But the truth of it is, is that eventually you're either going to get it or you're going to know somebody who has it. And in the end, you know, what? what is it? 98% of people have recovered from it, 99.4, something like that. Something a high number like that, that's very right. positive. But they're calling this the, the, they're also trying to be cute with it, calling it the boomer killer or something like that. I've heard well, people say you, that you know, too, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't like that. So no. I'm getting kind of frustrated with terms like that. But like, but like the kung flu is hysterical. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's racist, but it's funny as hell. Well, if you can't laugh at, if you can't laugh during this time, I don't know what you can laugh at. I mean, does the COVID nineteen come with a side of broccoli? How does it work in the Chinese restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> right around the corner and, so as soon as that, and, that and, moment comes and, and, and i mean i know you know the struggle you're catholic i mean i don't know what you give up with anything so if you don't good for you you know i don't give anything I, I, I gave a see good for you i was like that for a long time because i figured i, get, I give a lot up on a daily basis I, but I, I, you know i don't see you know just the same as anything i, I, don't, I don't give up on anything and, and I figured the moment that the you're moment, no well, no, for me, is the idea that if you're going to give up on one thing, what's to stop you from giving up on two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? You know, that that's part of the problem that we have right now. You have so many people that are willing to trade in their security for freedom. They're willing to give up that essential freedom that God, nature's God, whatever you want to call it, has bestowed upon all of us all for the false sense of security. You're willing to give up your First Amendment. You're willing to give up a Fourth Amendment. You're willing to give up the Fifth Amendment. You might as well shred up the Constitution. And I, I, I mean, I know I'm taking you off topic a little bit here, but I, I also call it because I got to know this. Do, do you think our Constitution, somebody can change it? Say again? Can somebody change our Constitution? Sure you can. Because I can see that happening 30 years from now. Tops. Well, in order to, you would have to add an amendment to it. I mean, unless you're talking about redoing the Constitution completely. I, 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 well, not completely, but I think people want to put, like, 
an addendum to the amendment. So, like, there'll be workarounds, like, the right to bear arms is our second amendment. We will find a workaround for that. There is no workaround uh, for it. There is no workaround for the Second Amendment. You either have it or you have another constitutional amendment to repeal it. And if you do that, you got a civil war on your hands. I'll just put that out there right, just as clear as can be. Well, I mean, I I was only giving you an example. One amendment, that was the one I thought of because I was just Mm -hmm. talking about it. But but I mean, you know, I I was thinking about that today with all this crap that is being policed on both sides of the aisle, not just Democrats, you know, like, I'm pretty sure the you know conservative party has some stuff that like you don't necessarily agree with. Like what? But like, uh, well, I, I can't think of nothing off the top of my head, bro. I'm just well, saying and, and, there's and, and, something out well, there. I always, I always and, and and I'm not picking on you, but I always like it when people say, you know, well, both sides do it. Okay, like what? What, what Republican has done with Democrat? Like here in Wisconsin, we had Tony Evers the day before an election try to postpone the election. He did not have the constitutional authority or the legal authority to do it, but yet he went ahead and did it, and it had to go up to the Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court, and they both spanked him. And yeah, one man can't do that. Well, not especially if it's not if it's not codified in law or if he doesn't have the authority within the state constitution. But the thing was, though, he did that. There is no Republican governor under the sun that would do that. Do, do you think come November, if, if, the, if this Corona, whatever, mm-hmm. 19 is all, all around, do you think that they're going to try to postpone the election? No. I mean, I, I, I would get it if they did because many people are going to the polls and who knows if pe- who knows what people have, but I, I don't think they should no. do something like that. They won't. But I mean, they won't. Okay. I, they, I don't. Okay. There's no way I see that happening. You would have to have mass death in the tens of thousands, maybe higher. I don't see that happening. Not only do I not yeah. see that happening, not only do I still see the November election still happening, I still see Donald Trump winning. Well, well, yeah. I'm going to be honest. And I hate to sound arrogant. That that is a for sure thing, only because the other side can't can't get it together. But like right now, is Bernie Sanders even still in the race? Yep. Nobody knows because because this Corona thing has dominated the news. So who knows who's in the race anymore? Like like legit, you know? Shouldn't Creepy Joe just be named the the? Uh, uh, now, not the nominee for that uh, don't, don't expect him, party. Don't expect him to still be the nominee. I, I honestly think that when they have their convention and Joe Biden said, you know, maybe we just have a virtual convention. Uh, even if, no matter how they decide to do it, he won't, he'll, he'll win the nomination, but then he'll withdraw at some point. If I was to bet so then, anybody, you're looking at Mario Como. New York mayor. Yeah, the New York mayor. And, and he right now, I don't even think he's running, but people are like, no. man, we grew up the way he does New York. And, you, you know, yeah, but he, he should be our guy. But he's still crapping the bed. 
You know, here's yeah. a guy who went on, he complained about ventilators, and then within a couple of days, they found, like, what, 30,000 ventilators in a warehouse? Yeah, that's, I, I, was it you that posted that video on Facebook? I saw it somewhere, I saw it somewhere, and I was like, what? Oh, I don't, I mean, was, it might have been, I post so much stuff, it, I, don't, I can't even keep track of it half the time. Dude, I have trouble half the time, I try to watch it, and I like everything I got. Sometimes I'm like, damn it, Ed, you just posted something 15 minutes so, and I, and I, you know, I mean, I'm handicapped, but I have a life to live. But anyway, I'll, 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 I'll let you go um, because I, I don't want to dominate the uh, no, no show problem with my with my uh, politically incorrect rhetoric. Ah, so, uh, it's all good. I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you want me to hang, man, I will. I'm like a herpes. I, Pop up and try not to go away. Oh, but right there, right there. You got to go too far. <laughs> Is it too far? I was on a dating app today, right? It's, it's called Fields, right? It's just like a, a dirty, you know, real like people into some sick stuff. But I, I look everywhere because I assume that wanting to date a handicapped dude has to be some kind of fetish, right? So I'm, I'm on this thing called Fields. And, um, I was going through a profile, and I saw this hot chick, and she's like, for the record, I just want everybody to know in the profile, I have herpes, condoms are necessary. I'm like, Pat, now that's going too far, that's gross. <laughs> <sighs> like, who admits to that? Sorry, folks, I know you want to listen about Well, you know what, at least on an at least yeah. on an upside, I will give that woman credit for at least being honest, which is something yeah, that yeah. that some that a lot of folks just tend not to have the ability to do. Yeah, but that's got to be embarrassing, man. You know. Well, it is what it is. If somebody's going to yeah. find out eventually, whatever. Let me ask I mean, you this: since I got you on the line, let me ask okay. you this: since I got you on the line. All and right. if you guys in the audience, you know, you guys listening, you're there in the live uh, chat room. I want to get your feedback on this, too. So New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, he he's having the National Guard basically go into the rural areas outside of the major cities. And he's having them go to the hospitals and basically seize and confiscate ventilators from upstate New York. So basically, they're raiding the rest of the state. So that way they can have all those ventilators for New York City. That's wrong. Very wrong. Why? Beyond wrong. Well, what do you mean why? Because, listen, New York is the heart of the country. I get it. But when it comes to ventilators and people are getting sick and then they need that ventilator and one's not available, but one could have been. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in Tacoma is um, taking them away. I mean, there's, there's got to be some kind of rule against that shit. See, and I would think so, too, because to me, this is nothing but theft. I mean, hell, libertarians say, will tell you, taxation is theft. This is just outright theft. This is what he had to say on the topic. He goes, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be in a position where people are dying, and we have several hundred ventilators in our state somewhere else. I apologize for the hardship to those institutions. Ultimately, there is no hardship. If you don't get the ventilator back, I give you my personal word, I will pay you for the ventilator. But I'm not going to let people die 
because we didn't redeploy these ventilators. See, here's the thing. What, you know, the rural areas are not going to get hit the hardest and they're not going to get hit immediately. But when they do get hit, they're going to need these machines. So basically what he's did, what he's done was he hamstrung the rural areas of New York, of the state of New York, and sacrificed them for the city itself. See, I got a problem with that because if somebody from, you know, upstate New York, like Woodstock, that's New York, so that's not my check, uh, has the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And now he can't. Now he can't get it because, you know, whatever said, "Hey, man, we need it for Queens Health Kitchen." That area. So you're telling me this dude has to drive all the way down with dead lung capacity? I might have you, just so he can get on a ventilator. Right. Come on, man. Well, see, and this is one Come of those on. things. You know, when you're in a rural area, like for me, my nearest hospital is. Oh, goodness. It's probably about 15 miles away. And for us, 15 miles, is it's not necessarily 15 minutes. It's probably about no. 20 minutes of country driving. And That's we, what I was going to say. That country road. Right. Got long road. So, you know, it, it's not just straight shots here and there. It, it is windy roads. It takes you in a different direction. You know, you're going north when you really need to be going south, but that's the only road to get to that area. So other than that one hospital, the nearest hospital after that is at least 40 minutes away, 40, 45 minutes. So there's not an abundance. So, you know, when I was living in Milwaukee, there was a hospital every five miles. So there was plenty of hospitals to work with. But rural, in the rural communities, you're not going to have those all that often. So, Which, okay. What's but, that? So if, if, Jen, if, if Jen were to t- take you right now and push you down the stairs and then look at you and laugh and say, you're bleeding, fat man. Would she actually drive you to the hospital and would make you sit there and talk? No, I would probably have to drive her to the hospital. Trust me. Despite my size, I'm actually very agile. Well, man, I wasn't ripping on your side. I, I'm, I'm just assuming that's something she would say. You know. Nah, she'd probably say something else, a little crueler, but, you know, well, that, that's well, just kind of how she rolls. I, I, I'm your friend after all, man. I, I'll never go to Jen's level. I mean, <laughs> she, told me, she told me once I should read through the article and then call in and be informed about it. I'll never forget that shit. <laughs> Thanks a lot, friend. Yeah. Uh, uh, dude, Jen just kind of raw about if, that. If, if, if you ever put together a best-of show, that has to be on there. Because, uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was uncomfortable and so funny. And people don't know what, some people don't know what, without an RPG, listeners have changed over the years. But I mean, guys, when I read, I, I skim through stuff, so I'm not like a good, like I don't read thoroughly because it's tough to see. Sure. So I, I just send it, I just send it to Jen because her and I are right. cool. And, and she was like, man, you, you know, we're supposed to report on the news. We're not taking requests. Maybe Huber should read. <laughs> and I was like, and you, you were like, Ed was like, oh, damn, because I don't. And then she's like, what? And uh, 
it's like, bro, she was has trouble seeing out of one eye. She got like as cool as young Jim is. She got quiet real fast. <laughs> well, it's one of those things I think it kind of caught her off guard and stuff. But after that, yeah, she 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 ain't letting you live it down either, though. I mean. You, you got to remember, at some point, you can keep bringing stuff up to her, and she's going to be like, yeah, and what now? Uh, she's great, though. I do miss her on the air sometimes just because sometimes I think she even, like, that dominates the show, kind of like what oh, I'm yeah. kind of doing right now, and I feel bad about it. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. She gets all angry about it. No, Ed, you're wrong. Well, geez, then start up your own damn podcast. All right, man. Well, listen, I'm going to take one more break here, and then I got a final segment I want to do, and I actually have, rather than some things to piss people off, I got some things uh, to, to, to bring some people some hope. Hey, man, real quick before I go, I'll make this quick, but I got to give you a quick entertainment thing. Uh, Disney Plus announced that they are doing X-Men series about X- all the X-Men characters and they're going to have like six episodes apiece and by the time that movie rolls around people will be reintroduced to Wolverine and because everybody will get its own origin story. Oh, okay. Oh boy, like Bob, when now. you come back, boy, I tell you, you're going to have all kinds yeah, of material man. to work with. I, I know, man. I, they're even bringing back the animated series from the 90s. I heard I'm they were excited. bringing the Animaniacs back to Hulu. Yes, we went from talking yeah. politics, death, and destruction in the police state of America to the Animaniacs. Yes, we do that occasionally. See, that's how I roll. I mean, politics is all well and good, but when I get on the phone, man, me and I go crazy. That's why we got to start up our own pop culture. Uh, radio program here soon, like we've talked about for many, many years. I gotta but find. Whatever. I gotta find the time. That's my thing, though. I know, man. I know. He's crazy. The, uh, I understand. I get it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I tell you. <laughs> but uh, uh, all right, man. Take it easy. Uh, everybody in the chat room, thanks for dealing with me. And I'll talk to everybody on Tuesday. Peace out. God bless. I'm out of here. Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> All right, Bye. Bob. Thank you. Have a good night, brother. All right, guys. Let's take our next break. When we come back, I actually have some uplifting stories. And these are going to be stories that, well, like I said, we covered some heavy material here tonight. But don't think all hope is lost. Far from it. We'll be right back.
before me. I said... not this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. Not to men like you. <laughs> there are no men like me. There are always men like you. Welcome back to the Caramel Conservative Podcast. This is your host, Ed Delgado, coming at you here as we enter into our third hour here of the podcast. Man, uh, this last clip, that was uh, Loki when he made his uh, appearance on Earth uh, in the first Avengers movie a few years back. It's a very powerful piece right there because in that particular scene, here's a demigod who's out here and he telling everybody to kneel before him. And everybody does except for one old man. And you can tell that man had been through, well, I would assume at that particular point in time when the movie came out, he was a survivor of the Holocaust. And it shows you that strength isn't just limited to young people or heroes because heroes come in all different forms. And we talk about that quite a bit. And I'm going to be focusing on that here this particular week in particular because this is the time, I think, more now than ever that we need to, as much frustration in the world as there is, as, as much of the evil that is going on, this is a time when we need to, to either look for the light or become the light that shines and brings brightness to the world. And these last couple of stories here, I'm going to bring this to you. First here. So... I told you, I lay at the feet of all law enforcement individuals that do not uphold their oaths of office. If you're going around arresting people because those were your orders, I got a problem with that. And I think a lot of other people do too. However, not all law enforcement is like that. As a matter of fact, there's a gentleman out in uh, the great state of Maine, Franklin County Sheriff uh, Scott Nichols, he had a strong message for the governor of Maine, Janet Mills, who issued a stay-at-home orders with the threat of police punishment if not followed. Sheriff Nichols issued a statement on the Franklin County Facebook page saying in no uncertain terms he will not follow that unconstitutional order. He states, we will not be setting up, uh, setting up a police state, period. The sheriff's office will not purposely go out and stop vehicles because they are on the road or stop and ask why people are out and about. To do so puts our officers at risk. This is not Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia where you are asked for your papers. 
The sheriff's announcement comes as a welcome sign to Americans who have been arrested for inane things like praying outside, surfing, or trying to drive to work. Someone has to stand up to the unconstitutional directives that are being handed down daily by governmental officials, and it will fall on the sheriffs to uphold what they know to be their legal and lawful duties, none of which involves trampling the rights of citizens. Please use common sense during these executive order. We are more interested in the safety and well-being of the public as well as our officers at this time, he says. With that being said, we are sworn to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the state. For any unlawful act, situation, arrestees will be taken into custody and transported for fingerprinting and bail. Nichols made it clear that he only intends to arrest for matters of law-breaking and nothing else. Executive orders are not laws. He finished his announcement with the words of encouragement to his constituents. Most of you are doing a fantastic job. We appreciate that. Look out for one another, especially the elderly and shut-ins. Please be a good neighbor, citizen, always showing compassion. Please be kind, especially on social media. Negativity online only adds to the stress people are currently experiencing. Nichols signed this brave decree with his name and followed it with, Of the people. For the people. And I'm going to share that on our Facebook page. I believe I already did. But this is incredibly powerful stuff right here. Because we know that there are sheriffs out there. We know there are law enforcement officers out there that know that this is wrong. That this idea of stopping people asking for papers that want to go ahead and stop folks for just moving about going to their jobs. Like I said, even in the past, I am very careful not to cross my work life with what I do here on the podcast. But I will tell you this much, I spend a good deal of my day on the road. And for me to get stopped repeatedly would create a lot of problems. You know, as somebody who's in quote unquote essential services, it is my job to make sure that my clients are taken care of properly. In order to do that, I actually need to be in their physical presence. That requires me to actually go from point A to point B to point C and so on and so forth through my day. But in the course of that, if I'm impeded by frivolously being stopped, well, that then becomes a problem. So it's nice to see that there's these things going on here. Uh, Alex Garrett also just passed this along to me here. Now, we talked about the economy. We talked about the need for public safety. And I've said this in the past, you know, you get security or you get freedom. It's, it's not, a, it, you know, it's not both. It's really an either or proposition. And I think the president knows that here because the Trump team right now, they're prepping on plans to reopen the economy depending on testing. Now, it's a bit of a sick conundrum that governmental officials, and I, and I will give them credit, it is a very, very tough situation that they're in, all of them, Democrat, Republican, whatever. Because if you don't do anything, say, hey, you know what, herd immunity, we got to make sure the economy's going, a bunch of people die, then you didn't do enough. If you do all the lockdowns and everything else, trample on civil liberties, and the death toll isn't what they said it was going to be, then you're going to be accused of overreacting. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But... We are missing the common sense element of it. The areas are heavily afflicted. Those areas need to be dealt with accordingly. 
the areas that aren't so heavily afflicted, the areas that have one, two, just a few cases, the economy needs to get running for those places, for those rural communities. Because a lot of these rural communities, like I said before, they are not extremely prosperous. A lot of these small towns, like the town I'm in, the economy runs on very little. And to shut down the so-called un, you know, non-essential services essentially shuts down the entire town. So when you look at it from the economic lens of that, not through the lens of reparations, what you will find is that the common sense approach would have been from the start to do it like this. But again, Trump's team is working on this. This is something that could possibly, we could see this by the end of the month. We don't know yet. As we've said before, this situation is constantly evolving. It is constantly moving. It seems like everything does indeed change from hour to hour. But we'll take a look. This is one of those stories. We'll catch it as it develops for sure. And I'll be posting that up here once the show gets done. Um, Final story of the night. This is a huge story here. And it's huge not because it has an impact on the world, but because it should have an impact on the world. And here, here's what it is. See, there's a, there's a lot of fear right now, people losing their homes. Whether it's a house that you have from the bank on mortgage, whether it's a, the, the apartment that you're renting. But you see, there's a landlord in New York, and I love the picture on this guy because he looks like your typical New York mobster. He's got the uh, sweatsuit on, the whole bit, grease back hair. Um, definitely looks like a character from Goodfellas at one point. But, um, you know, don't, don't let the looks fool you. Don't let the looks fool you. Because this gentleman here, he's a landlord in New York. He actually has about 80 properties. So clearly he knows what he's doing. His name is Mario Salerno. He posted a notice on the front of the door of his, all of his buildings telling his 200 tenants that they do not have to worry about paying for this month's rent, the month of April. The 59-year-old said he wants people to concentrate on taking care of one another during this coronavirus pandemic. His notice reads, During this recent pandemic of the coronavirus COVID-19 affecting all of us, please note I am waiving rent for the month of April. Speaking about his kind gesture, Mr. Salerno said health was all that mattered right now. He told New York NBC, I want everybody to be healthy. That's the whole thing. For me, it is more important for people's health and worrying about um, who could put food on, the, on whose table. I said, don't worry about paying me. Worry about your neighbor and worry about your family. Mr. Salerno said, told the New York Times that he had recently been contacted by some of his tenants who told him that they wouldn't be able to afford next month's rent. He said that three renters were behind from Ireland and packed up all their things and went home. Mr. Gentile, who lived on his property owned by Mr. Salerno for the last four years, told the publication this wasn't shocked. He wasn't shocked when he saw the notice. For him, Mr. Salerno is a fantastic landlord. He said, you don't see that, especially in a landlord-tenant relationship in New York City. He's amazing. Mr. Gentile was working as a lawyer for a personal injury firm when the coronavirus outbreak begun. For, but with courthouses closing up and work drying up, he was laid off. This left him struggling to pay rent and potentially having to dip into his savings, which he and his fiancé are hoping to use for their wedding. He explained, 
it, uh, it has alleviated a huge amount of stress that I was having with the unemployment system in the state. Mr. Salerno also runs a garage and repair shop and has been working around the clock to support emergency workers who need their motors serviced during the outbreak. He added, do I really want to do a simple oil change and a brake job? No, but I have a lot of doctors and nurses who need their cars serviced. See, this is the type of thing when we talk about going out there and becoming the best version of yourselves you can be. This is what it means to step up. This is not a haves and have nots. It, this is a matter of I have the ability to help you out, so therefore I will. And not because government compels me to do it, but because I have the means to do so, I choose to do so, and it serves the greater good. This is the true definition of heroism. It is a step up when you're not asked to, but doing the right thing anyway. And, you know, these are the stories that I want to leave you guys with each and every week because we know about the frustrations that are going on. We worry about the police state, the infringements on civil liberties, and all of that other terrible stuff. And it is indeed terrible, and it is indeed frightening, and it is indeed scary. Because I tell you what, I don't want to be known as a generation that lost freedom. I believe there is still goodness in America. I believe in the citizens of this republic. I believe that all of us can rise to the occasion. And if something good can come out of this whole situation, as we all deal with the COVID-19 virus and the fallout that comes from it, it is all of us can become better people together. And like I tell you guys each and every week, as your homework, go out there and become the best version of yourselves that you can be. Always remember, even when times are darkest, you too can become a hero. All you got to do is try. All you got to do is step up. All you got to do is make that effort. Be the hero in your life. Be the hero for your family, your community, your state, your country. Because God knows in this time, we need those heroes now more than ever. Go out there, speak your peace. Do it reasonably, logically, sensibly, with compassion, love, and respect for one another. On that note, God bless you. God bless the United States of America. I want to thank everybody here in the chat room. Uh, Bob Huber, John from OBFSU, Gary Russin, Mike from uh, the Radio Hope Show, Alex Garrett from uh, Keeping It Real with Alex Garrett, Bob for once again calling in. ENC Jordan, you and I got to connect here at some point. Guys, love you. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. I am out.